Second service team, come to the first two rows in the sanctuary on the right side. Second service team.
One, two, one, two. Can you hear me in your ear? One, two. One, one, two. Can you hear in your ear? One, two, one, two. Test, one, two, one, two. Test, test, test. You should be able to hear yourself.
test one too. Can you hear me? Alright, test, test. You don't want it to be too loud. You don't want it to be too loud. Oh, test, test. Test, test. You hear that? That's going to be like that in service if we don't fix that now. That, the echo? Echo! Test, one, two. Chickity chick check. No, this is still gonna be the same mic, right? No. No. Yeah, this one does not work. Is that, is that cool? Test one, two. No, I don't hear it. Test one, two. No. Hello? We got we gotta adjust the mics real quick. Hello? Is it on? Hey Daryl, can we figure out um which mic Jerry's gonna be using? Hello, hello. She's testing mics right now. Yeah, that one doesn't work. Hello. I'll just sing really loud. One. Hello. Ten. Hello. Hello. That's the one. Hello. Bring her up. Hello. Mary had a little lamb. Test one, two. Jesus. Loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him below. We just wanted to hear yourself. Testing one, two, one, two. Yes, go.
this is your first time here, we welcome you. So um, you guys are loved, and um, yeah, just thank you for joining us today. Why don't we all stand before we begin? All right. Now, before we begin each service, uh, we usually have, we have someone come up to testify, and so I would like to call up one of our deacons, Kirsten Rodriguez. Yes, come up. Well, yes, give a warm welcome as she comes to share with us today. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, wow. Uh, I wanted to share something that I've been seeing lately that's really been a blessing to me. I'm just so thankful with all the stuff that have been going on in the country and, you know, to see in our city, in our church, uh, something different. Like, I work with the, the youth, uh, the youth ministry Elevate, and we just have uh, a lot of different kinds of young people in, in our group and just people from young people from different races you know and it's great to see even at our um, our youth life group you know we went out in the park soul winning summer and to see the young people you know from different races different backgrounds you know joining together receiving Christ learning about Christ growing growing in the Lord serving together fellow fellowshipping together and it's just such a blessing and to see God doing it you know People may think, well, how is this going to work? But with God, nothing is impossible. And it's happening. God can do it. And it's just a blessing. And I want to share uh, the verse with you from Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 5, uh, 4 through 6. Oh, my gosh. Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. praise come on cool this first song is called wake all right and i want us before we sing this song to so just lift up our hands we got to wake ourselves up this afternoon we got to shake off the grogginess we got to shake off that that spirit that's just i just want to hear just someone feed me but we want to go into the presence of the lord with expectation I want everyone in this place to open up their mouth and worship. When we sing this song, you sing it unto God. So right now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you wake us up. In our innermost speed, would you wake us, Lord, right now. We want more of you, Lord. We desire more. Take us deeper. Come on, is that your prayer this afternoon? 
take us deeper, Lord. Hallelujah.
thinking about how the devil is always prowling around and he's he's trying to stop us up and trip us up and and he's doing everything he will tear apart your family if it gets you to go away from jesus he will take away your job he will mess with your kids he will do whatever it takes to prevent you from going forward i just had this thought you know refuse to stop worshiping and refuse to stop serving Jesus because when we raise our hands in hallelujah when we say devil I don't care how much you mess with me but I am going to serve my king of kings and the Lord of lords because that's what takes the enemy out because God is big enough to do it it's not just serving God when the sun is shining and everything is coming up roses it's serving God when everything's been taken away Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father but through him. So in Romans 5.10, it says, For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more have we been reconciled? Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? I love the word of God because it speaks truth into my life. I just think, when I was far from God, when I was the drunk girl in the bar, when I was the one having sex before marriage, Christ still died for me. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't give up my son to die for me. But Jesus did. God did. He sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so when we were enemies, if you are the enemy of God, know that Jesus died for you. Even in this moment where you are at right now, Jesus died for you. The price has been paid. The blood has been spent. And you can be redeemed this day because salvation is today. One day I came to this church and I said, Jesus, I'm all for you and I'm not looking back. And I never looked back. And there was a plan and a purpose and a promise.
purpose for my life. And I would have never known it had I never said yes to Jesus. And so it's like, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So when we have this fellowship time, we'll have a couple altar workers up here. And if you feel like you've been backslidden far from God and you want to get right, they will pray for you. If you feel like you have never known Jesus, they will pray with you and they will help you. If you just need prayer for anything, you need to get the sin out of your life because your sin will prevent you from, from reaching a holy God. I, I just, I dare you to come up here and pray and see if God will not move because I know he will because he did it for me. And it's worth it. You'll never be the same, but you will become the best you you've ever been. Not because, you know, this is your best life now, but because Jesus will live inside of you. And it's so good. So I just want us to pray together today. If you guys would all just bow your heads with me. Oh, Jesus. We love you, God. I pray that there is no one in this place that will leave without knowing that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that you have paid the price even for them, even in the worst of their sin, that you died. And instead of be calling, being called an enemy of God, you will call us friend. You will call them friend. So I just pray, Lord, that you would just bless this time as we worship you, God, and we give you all our hallelujahs, Lord, and, and we just pray this in your awesome and mighty name. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise again because he's awesome. And then we are going to recite this. This is our Christian worldview, and uh, we're going to just recite this on the count of three. If you guys want to stand up with me, because I just... It's good. It's good to stand. All right. On the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God
church today. Come on, make some noise if you're excited to be here. Welcome to our 1 p.m. service. I love how you guys are just loving each other and hanging out and catching up. It's so good to see all of you here. Welcome to MPI, especially if it's your first time here and your first time visitor. On behalf of the leaders, we welcome you to keep on coming back. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service, so we have King's Kids in the back for our children, infants to 11 years old. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. for students 11 to 18 years old. This is our youth group. So if you know any students in that age group, you would want to have them be here. And if it's your first time and you are a teenager, come on by and be with us on Friday nights. God's doing awesome, awesome things. Who's excited about our outreach coming up at the end of the month? Come on, make some noise if you're excited. You guys are making it happen. We're coming together for a soul-winning summer. They're going to switch the slide here in just a second so you guys can see it. MPI Back to School Outreach. Uh, I think our ushers right now are actually passing out the flyers for this event. If they are not, can we please have the ushers pass out the MPI Back to School Outreach flyers. They're going to be bringing them down the rows. I want to encourage you guys to grab a whole bunch and leave them wherever you want, on the train, on the bus. Take some on your way out, some extra ones. Just have them on you. It's going to be Sunday, August 28th, the last Sunday of this month, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m., so it's going to be for both of our services. We're going to be giving away school supplies for 200 students, three laptops. It's going to be awesome. You guys are making this possible. And we want to encourage you guys, if you know parents at your children's school, invite them, have them be a part of this outreach so they can come and uh, benefit from this blessing because we believe God, as, uh, as they come, that we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to see souls saved. Amen. Who's excited to hear about our vision, strategy, and goal? Come on. Our vision at MPI is loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments Jesus gave to us. Our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Can I get a hallelujah? Come on, look to your neighbor say, get connected. The way we want to connect you to Metro Praise is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. If you turn your hand out around, you'll see the schedule of this quarter of life groups that we have happening July, August, and September. I really want to encourage you to find a place to get connected with you and your family. There's so many different types of life groups, places, and times for you to get involved. So here's a snapshot of what's happening this week. Kicking it off today is our single moms life group. Come on, make some noise for our single mamas. Child care is provided. They're meeting at 5.30. Tuesday, the Resistance Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. here at the church. Wednesday, every week, King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. You want your children to be a part of this life group, parents. Thursday, gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m., meeting at the church, hitting the streets, looking for gangbangers to preach the gospel to them so that they know that Jesus can change their life. And then on Fridays, we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Goveas, the other one at the Vivid's house, 18 years and up, 7 p.m., meet at those addresses. God will change your life. Get into fellowship throughout the week with other brothers and sisters of the Lord so that they can encourage you in your walk with God and be refreshed by the Bible study that happens at these homes. And Saturday, the Ambassadors Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 1 p.m. at that address. So we're just, how many of you guys know that we love you? If that doesn't show love, I don't know what does. Our leaders are opening up their home, opening up their lives, their schedules to pour into you, to hang out with you. So get connected. And then when you get connected, we want to mentor you. Look to your neighbor, say, get mentored. 
We have a 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. This is done one-on-one. -on -one. We have leaders ready in the church to take you through this book, this book to encourage you in your walk with God and to help you be all that God has called you to be. And when you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where we train you how to be a leader in the church so that one day you could be ordained to be a deacon or an elder and accomplish God's purpose for your life. So we believe very much here in mentorship, discipleship, you really getting into um, the groove of meeting with a mentor and having your life changed and transformed so God could use you. And then we want to send you out. Somebody say send. We want to send you out to do evangelism, preach the gospel on the streets. Every Saturday from 5 to 8, we're hitting the streets, preaching the gospel, telling the lost people that Jesus saves. How many of you guys know the gospel means good news? So we are to tell people the good news, whether they accept it or reject it. That's not our responsibility to save people. Only Jesus can save. The responsibility that Jesus gave to us was to go and to let them know. And so the Bible says, how can somebody know unless we go and tell them? How will they hear unless we speak to them? And so you're going to actually learn about that today in our sermon series. It's all about public evangelism. So put it into practice, especially after today's message. It's going to transform your life. When you preach the gospel on the streets and tell the lost people about God and his plan of redemption and saving them, you will never be the same again. So as a believer, we shouldn't only think about ourselves. We need to have our eyes open by the power of the Holy Spirit to see the lost around us and to have God use us for his glory. Amen. So in a recap, MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision of loving God and loving people. A strategy to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. And a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Can I get an amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Look to your neighbor and say, they're real. They're serious. Come on. Who's excited to give their tithes and offerings today? Come on. I know I am. God is faithful. We're going to be in, um, in the giving book lesson in just a moment in section three, lesson five. A tithe is 10% of your total income given to the church regularly. We designate our offerings here towards missions and towards our building fund. An offering is an amount above the tithe that is between you and the Lord that you are to give with a generous heart, not under compulsion. So let's get into our lesson. You could go to givingbook.org if you want to follow along on your phone, section three, lesson five. Stewards can receive more from God. Definition of stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. How many of you guys have things that you own? Things that you've got to take care of throughout the day. Do you know that that was given to you by God? Entrusted into your care by God. And we are to, be, uh, to prove ourselves to be stewards, wise managers of those things so that he could get the glory. We're going to be reading from 1 John chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. You can follow along on the screen. Or turn there in your Bibles. 1 John 3, 21 through 22. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. How many of you guys know that God is not a genie in a bottle or a Santa Claus? He's not the tooth fairy. He is a God. He is a good, good God. He is a good, good father. And when we follow his commands and we ask things according to his will, he will hear and he will provide and he will answer. So our desires need to come into alignment with the will of God. And let's learn a little bit more about this passage of scripture. Number one, have confidence in God. Somebody say confidence. The opposite of fear, worry, and condemnation is faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because he only rewards and blesses those who believe he is a good God. Therefore, 
Don't let your heart condemn you when you're asking for things according to his will. When you're praying according to his will, come in faith. Believe that God will provide the impossible and he will do it. But make sure it's in alignment with what he wants and desires. Number two, receive anything we ask. The reason why the believer is promised to receive anything they ask from God is because they pray according to his will, not our will. Align your desires with God's heart so you receive all he has for you to accomplish your purpose. There is a purpose for every single person in this room. And you will accomplish that purpose when you come into alignment with God's desires for your life. Amen. And number three, keep God's commands. As disciples of Christ, we are to please God by keeping all his commands. Some of his commands, the ones we like, all of his commands. Not just because we have to but because we love to. And as parents, you know that when you discipline your children, you want them to follow your lead. When you have rules in your home, you want them to follow you out of love. We give them those rules and disciplines because of love. God does the same thing for us. And then we want the reciprocation from our children to be out of love. Not because they have to, because they're forced to, but because they love us as their parents as well. And it's the same thing in our relationship with God the Father. So in summary, have faith in God to receive all he has for you. Here are three ways that you can apply it to your life. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after your tithe. Number two, don't let your heart condemn you because of unbelief, fear, or worry, but rather have full faith and confidence in God that he will meet all your needs. And number three, please God by obeying all of his commands. If you want that to be your life and testimony, let's do this confession together on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. Please stand up to your feet as we prepare to give the Lord our tithes and offerings this afternoon. Again, the tithe is... 10% of your total income given regularly. So if you have $1,000 that you received, how much would go towards your tithe? 100. If you've received 1,200, how much would be your tithe? 120. And then the offering is an amount that is above the tithe, that comes after the tithe. And that amount is specific between you and the Lord, what he puts on your heart to give. And we designate that towards various missions projects throughout the year. Currently, our building fund is a soul-winning summer. We're going to try to knock this out this month for our back-to-school bash. We've already had the one outreach on the west side, and we're going to do it again here in this neighborhood. We just want to thank you guys so much for your giving and generous hearts. Here are four ways that you could give at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You could see Pastor Jerry for that if you'd like to do that today. Number four, you could go online and use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org.com forward slash giving. Did I say that right? mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Let's recite this together. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundance in our lives. We thank you that you are a good God. 
and that you want us to pray according to your will as we follow your commands, as we bring our desires into alignment with you, as we're faithful with the tithe, faithful with the offering. We know, Lord God, that you will meet our needs according to your glorious riches. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver. pray that you would increase it and multiply it over our lives, over your kingdom, uh, kingdom's work in this city. And may we bring you glory in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please come forward as you give, and we thank you so much for your generosity. How many ready to do this? Make some noise. Woo! Come on. Let's do it. How many of y'all been keeping up with the Olympics? Anybody? You know what? If you haven't caught up with it, that's okay. You can always go to uh, Xfinity, uh, Comcast. I don't know if you guys have that. And you can go there to On Demand and watch it. And that's what I've been doing with my kids. And it's been really fun and interesting. Why do I bring that up? Because we are in the middle of a sermon series this summer called Spiritual Disciplines. Everybody say spiritual disciplines. Now that is not like what would be an ice cream kind of message. I know it doesn't sound really fun and giggly. But it's so important that we get in spiritual shape. And I think that these Olympics are showing us what it takes to be in shape to win. If you haven't been with us before, you're going to understand why in just a little bit. But how many have been seeing some spiritual applications from watching the Olympics and some of these messages? Anybody? Okay. Now, do you listen to these messages? Is the problem you're not watching the Olympics? Is that the problem? Okay. The problem is you're not watching the Olympics. Have you watched any sporting event where you said, I can see what I'm learning here and apply it to the sporting event? Okay, a few of you. Okay, let's open up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And by the way, look at your neighbor and say, thank you for being here. Second service is filling up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We had close to 150 in our first service. We're going to probably, with the children at back, be close to 100 today. Last week we had over uh, 220 people. We're getting close to 250 on average. And this is in the middle of the summer. What do you think is going to happen when it gets cold and they got nowhere to go? They're going to come to church? We started this second service as an overflow, as a, as a way to grow the church and to make room. And so I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you're doing it. And some of you are like, Pastor, I'm just here because I sleep in. That's okay. If you sleep in and come to the 1 o'clock service, that works good for us because it fills up the church, makes it exciting, and you can spread the word to your friends who like to sleep in as well. And you know what's another cool thing? Is we are live on Facebook. 
We had over 300 views for the first service. Now I don't know how many we'll do on the second service. Check us out, MPI Church, Metro Praise International on Facebook, and share us right now because we'd be there right now. And God's been using the online, the, the Facebook, the Google, all of that stuff. And if you want these notes, where are they at right now, y'all? They're online right now. My wife's offering message is online. It's always there on Facebook, too, for a quick update. If you want to hook up there, just like us on Facebook. Are you there with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 9? I hope that you are because i got a great video to play for you today because I have been paying attention to the Olympics. I don't watch them as much as I should. But I'll tell you what, this verse motivated me to play a video for you guys by Michael Phelps. Does anybody know who Michael Phelps is? He's already won four gold medals. He is like the human dolphin. So when you hear the word race this time, I want you to think about swimming race, not running race. Because last time it was running race. Remember I showed you guys the 5,000 meters? Just shake your head because I did it. Okay, you're not lying. I did do it. But do you remember? Okay, but I'm going to show you a video on Phelps. Now watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is talking. Look at the correlation he makes here. Look at the example. Do you not know? He's talking to us like, don't you know this? Like, come on, man. Don't you know that in a race all the runners what? Run or in a swimming race all the swimmers swim. There you go. But only one gets the prize. How many people get the gold medal in a race? One person. Same thing back in the day. 2,000 years ago, Paul's looking at all these guys racing. Remember, the Olympics go back to the Greek culture. Paul's living in the Roman world. The Romans conquered the Greeks militarily, but the Greeks conquered the Romans culturally. And so a lot of the Roman culture, uh, Greek culture was found in the Roman society. The Olympics was one of them, as well as some of their other things like language and pagan traditions. Here he says, don't you know in a race that all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. You see the application? Come on, you see it? He's like, look at these Olympians. They're running to get a gold medal. Look at Michael Phelps swimming to get a good medal. You run your race that way. You live for Jesus that way. You win. You get after that prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Verse 25, everyone who competes in the games. That's talking about Olympic games way back then. Everyone who competes in the games goes into what? What's that? that come on, two words right here. Goes into Boom, that's what the whole sermon series is about this summer. We're not talking about desserts this summer. We're not talking about ice cream vacations this summer. This summer, we are talking about strict training. you got to go after what you want in life. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. The goals you set before you will make a difference at what you hit in life. And we need to set goals before us and go in strict training to achieve them. So what is my goal? My first goal was to lose 60 pounds. I went from 286 down to around 225. Can I get an amen for that? I did that last year. The goal this year is to get a six-pack. I want to have a six-pack. I know it may sound vain, but I just want to do it because I had one at 24 years old. I want to look as good as I did when I was 24 years old. That's my goal. But I got to go into strict training because I like to eat, and I like a lot of good food, right? I like pizza. I like pasta. I like, you know, arosco candules, rice dishes. I like Greek rice, you know, Polish uh, dishes, you know, like runki. I love just meat and potatoes and rice and all that stuff, cheese. Okay, so you know what I did? Watch this. This is not to make me look like so awesome, but I just want to tell you what I did. You had a birthday party yesterday for your baby girl, Oli. She turned what, eight years old? She began old on us. She's looking good, though, as a young lady for Jesus. She's doing awesome, good, tough, strong girl. Watch. I wanted to go there. I wanted to enjoy myself. She always has the best food at her parties. Elgin to Volo, where I live to where she lives, 
is 28 miles. Guess what I said? I'm going to ride my bike there. Pastor rode his bike there. I thought I would be cool coming in around 25 miles into the bike ride. I said, man, I'm hardly sweating. I feel great. I can come into this party and look cool and be like, oh, that was nothing. But the last five miles in your house is like hilly land. And I was, oh, dude, and the sun was out. It was like 90 degrees. I was like, oh, dear God, I'm going to call my wife right now. Have her come get me. But I'll be so embarrassed if she does. I don't want that, Lord. Lord, please help me. And then another hill. And I was like so wanting to give up. But I had my eye on the prize. And that prize that I wanted wasn't a gold medal because there was no gold medals being given out that day. That prize that I wanted was when I walked into that room, to that birthday party, I wanted to hear, oh, there he is. He bike rode all the way here. I just, I wanted that. I'm telling you. So I didn't want, I didn't want to like punk out. Because I wanted to be like, and then like in my mind, like in my mind, I almost thought like when I would walk into the room, you know, they would stand up and start, it's like slow clapping for me and be like, yeah, he's the man. But no, it was like one person, like one little girl, like when I came in, she was like, oh, did you bike right here? And I'm like, yeah. And then nobody else said anything. Nobody else even cared. And then I kind of like walk around to people. I was like, hey, I, I rode here. I rode my bike 30 miles here. And like a little pat on the back. But I'll tell you what, that's what it takes, though, if you want to get that six-pack, right? Because if you like to eat, the more you put in, the more you got to what? You got to put it out to burn those calories. And I can tell you I'm going through this right now. And I can only imagine what these Olympic athletes go through so that they can win the gold. And you're going to see a little bit about what Michael Phelps goes through. See, they do it. Look at the, the Bible. They do it to get a crown that will not last. Or in other words, a medal. And no matter how cool that medal is, it still won't last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. How many are looking forward to that day when you meet Jesus on bended knee? You confess him as Lord. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. I love you. And then he places a crown upon your head and says, well done. My good and faithful servant, now receive the inheritance, the reward I have for you. Are you all looking forward to that? That day when we meet them face to face, you see, the application is, you look at these guys running, you look at these people doing the athletes, and I think, uh, you know, all these games at the Olympics, I think it's so cool that right now I'm preaching on this while the Olympics is going on, because what, what better example could you ever have? Paul's literally going, you see these guys, and we're seeing them all over the news right now, Gabby Douglas, all these awesome things, you see them, you do it just like them in the spirit. And so next time you go to the gym, you see some big buff dude, you need to point to him and be like, hey. My pastor looks just like you in the spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to go to those big buff dudes and be like, man, I am just like you in here in my corazón. It beats for Jesus so much muscle in here. Because you know what? We need to get in spiritual shape. Physical shape is great. Help you live longer. Help you do all that. Spiritual shape is what depends upon your soul, man. Like, where heaven, what heaven and hell, where are you going to be, heaven or hell? What happens after you die? Now, we're not saved by good works. We're saved by the grace of Jesus, but we're saved to do good works. We should show that Jesus has changed our life. Look at verse 26. Now, watch Paul make the application. He says, therefore, I don't, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. So when they start off on those 100-meter dashes or those 5,000-meter, they don't start running backwards, do they? Do they start doing the cha-cha-cha, you know, and then hop to the left? You know, like these guys are running forward, and, and this one dude is like hopping to the left and then cha-cha-cha. Are they doing that? 
No, that would be like crazy. And then he says right here, and I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. How many think like Manny Pacquiao could win a fight just, just throwing punches like this? No, he's making the example going, no, when, when Michael Phelps starts the race, he doesn't just start swimming aimlessly. He doesn't go wherever he wants to go. He has, he's got his eye on the prize. Now look at this, verse 27. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I will not be disqualified for the prize. My friends, that's Paul talking. A pastor is saying, hey, guys, everybody may get your attention. Paul's like, hey, I want to make sure after I preach to you, I finish my race. If Paul the apostle said that, how much more so should moms and dads say that? Kids, I want to practice what I preach. If parents... Paul said it, how much more should every Christian say it, right? Parents, Christians, everybody should be able to look at this congregation here, one to another, and say, man, I want to finish my race. I should be able to look at Will and go, man, I want to finish. Will should be able to look at me and go, man, I want to finish too. I don't want to get disqualified. You think any Olympian wants to get disqualified? Put on all that work, all that time to get the whistle blown, foul, you're done, nothing, no gold, no silver, no bronze, go home, pack up your bags. Now look at this. The competition that we're fighting is not against each other. The one that we're trying to beat is ourself. Did you notice that? He said, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. My race is not against you. Your race is not against me. There should be no jealousy in the church. Don't be jelly, right? Don't hate, celebrate, amen? But what we should be doing is fight against our own flesh. The biggest enemy that you'll ever face in life is the person in the mirror you see. Because that's where your temptation comes from. That's where you want to quit comes from. That's where that, that laziness comes from. And if you look to these athletes, you'll see what they give it to make sure they get that prize. And I want you to give the strict training to your body so you get the heavenly prize. Get strict in your training. Somebody say spiritual disciplines. Amen. Let's look now to our man, Michael Phelps. Would you hit the lights, please? Four gold medals already won. I believe a total of 20 in his whole career. Shut off these stage lights as well, por favor. I want you to see this Under Armour video of what he goes through so that he can do. You want to shut off these two. Thank you, sir. You guys ready for this? You guys ready to be motivated? Let's put up the volume. Start it again, sir. You got it ready? Let's put up the volume. Start it again, sir. Okay, hold on now. We got the echo. Guys, would you look at each other, please, and talk about how you like being in the dark next to your friend? Sorry, we have a little technical difficulties. Okay, you guys ready for this? Okay, we ready with the volume? Check. Everybody go, let's do it. Boom.
Come on, somebody say, rule yourself. Come on, you guys give it up for Michael Phelps. Come on, he's, he's an awesome athlete. Look at your neighbor and say, rule yourself. When we look at the Bible, we see the Bible teaching us that we have to have strict disciplines. Think about what that young man goes through in his training to be able to win those Olympic races. The Bible says we have to do the same thing if we want to win at life. Here's what it means to be in spiritual disciplines or to have them. To follow the commands and practices. That's what you're supposed to do so that you can show in your life to grow spiritually because you know God. Everybody say show to grow because I know. Here's the chart. How many times have you guys seen it? How many have seen this chart at least five times? How many have seen it ten times? Yeah, yeah, well, you've seen it a lot. You start off by knowing, I know God. I know Jesus is God. He's Savior. I know that he can change me and make me new on the inside. We're saved by faith. You get that? And I know that I can do all that God wants me to do. That's what it means to become a Christian. You place your faith in Jesus. It's a knowing. It's a true belief on the inside. Then after you are a Christian, you participate in the showing of your Christian life. So you're not saved by good works. You're saved to do good works. So this is what the Christian does in their life. If you were to look at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, these 12 main things would be what God wants you to do. And then you grow. The reward you get in this life is the growing of these things inside your spirit. That's the spiritual muscles that you get. And then one day you get to heaven and are eternally rewarded for what you've done. Now I want you to think about it like this as we look at, um, oh, I just lost my sermon there. Give me just a second, guys. It's one of those days. You know, everything always goes right until the second service. Does anybody believe me when I say that? Half of you. You know what I did? I, 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 can I tell you what I do just so you guys always know why this goes wrong for me? There are two things that I have up here. I have my laptop with normal stuff, like a normal laptop. Then I have a share screen of that computer in the back. Let's give it up for our two guys in the back today doing good, Joe B and Daryl. Both of them are new, and they're doing awesome. And so what I have in front of me is two things, and I think some of my friends that are techie can understand this. I have an actual laptop, like whatever's going on here. Then I'm controlling that, and what happens is this one controls that over there, and then this controls this, and sometimes they can control each other, and I forget where I'm at sometimes, and I start getting out of control, I guess. But that's what happened right there. I pushed the wrong button. Now, what are our spiritual disciplines? These are the 12 things we're going to do. We've already talked about Bible reading. If you believe in these, can I hear an amen? Bible reading, keeping your family in order, scripture memorization, soul journaling, not dear diary, but dear Jesus, talking about what's going on in your life. Praying and worshiping. Discipleship and Christ-likeness. Christian service. That was last week. How many went to your job differently and said, I'm going to do this unto Christ? Anybody? Okay, now today we're going to talk about public evangelism. Spiritual meditation. That's awesome. You don't have to do the crooked chicken or do yoga and wear yoga pants or be a vegan. I'm going to show you how to meditate the Christian way, which is cooler than all that stuff, okay? Financial stewardship. How many know God should not only have your heart but your wallet? Amen to that. How about Christian fellowship, choosing the right friends? Amen. Make sure you bring all your young people there for that. And then church involvement. Church is important, isn't it? Okay, so look at it again. What does it mean? Know, show, and grow. We're in a spiritual discipline sermon series, and that's right there in the middle, the showing. So if I'm born again and I'm showing by obeying God, what are the things I should be growing in? 
goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, which is brotherly love, love in general, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. How many want those things in their life? So if you, amen. So if you want those things, are you willing to do these things? Right? So between where you are and where you want to be are spiritual disciplines. Somebody needs to tweet that. Will you tweet that? Just tag me in. I need to, I need to tweet that for myself. Where you are spiritually and where you want to be spiritually, right in the middle of spiritual disciplines. I said it cooler the first time. Oh, between, between where you are spiritually and where you want to be spiritual is what? Spiritual disciplines. Do you spiritually want these things? Okay, let's just start here. Let's start from the ABC, okay? How many of you are saved right now? How many would say, like, I know Jesus is God and Savior. I know he changed my life. If you're not, you're always welcome here so you can get saved. But how many already believe that? Then how many believe you can actually do what he said you can do? So he's a good God, right? Okay, how many want these things? What are you going to do to get them? Spiritual discipline. Somebody got it. Amen. How many of you all got that? Come on, somebody say, I got it. Okay, so today we're going to learn about public evangelism. Now, for many of you, this may be a new message. You may have never heard a message about this. Witnessing, sharing your faith in the public. Evangelism comes from that Greek word evangelion, where we get the word gospel. So this means to share the gospel publicly. Most of us, sadly, only think about those who do this as cults. Jehovah Witnesses, right? They do that. Mormons, guys on the bikes with the white shirts, elder so-and-so, black name tag. You don't open the door when they come. Most people are like that, right? Hello? But guess what? This is a command of the Bible. Now, here's the deal. A lot of people are like, God, I want your blessings, but I don't want to keep your commands to get them. Let me give you an example because this is a command. A lot of people want to bless family, right? But how do you get a blessed family? You keep the commands of God. So God says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wives, serve your husbands as the church serves Christ. If you want a blessed family, you got to keep the command for a, a blessed family. Do you see that? The blessings of God are attached to his commands. How many parents can relate to that? Your blessings are attached to what you want your kids to do. Amen? God's the same exact way. Matter of fact, we get that from God. How about this? When we want our finances blessed, what do we need to do? Keep the commands according to finances. Give God our 10%, our first fruit, our tithe. When we do that, God gives us a blessing, does he not? So if I want the blessings of God in my finances, what do I have to keep? The what of God? The commands of God. You all get that, right? That's why we're learning spiritual disciplines. If we want all of those awesome things, we've got to do these things to get it. But now watch this. Did you know that there are blessings attached to witnessing and preaching the gospel that you'll never get unless you do them? Did you know that? Some of you did, but many of you don't. Let me give you a scripture because I have a lot to share. The book of Proverbs says it like this. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. If you want the blessing of God to break depression, depression, selfishness, anxiety off of your life, you need to start serving others. I'm being honest with you. I have friends in the medical world. I understand there's counseling, there's medicine, there's things. But I'm telling you, the blessing of God will come upon your life when you start helping others. And what better gift can you give to others than the gift of the gospel? Sharing with them your Christian faith. 
Some of y'all looking at me like you don't believe me, so I got to go to the Shark Tank. Anybody here ever heard of the Shark Tank? Okay, what is this guy's name? Robert, how did we spell that last time? There, I got him. Does anybody know this guy? Robert Herchevec, the blonde-haired European guy that's on the Shark Tank. Okay, watch this. He's going through a life's tragedy. Divorce is happening. Things are going really bad in his life. He is worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and he's contemplating suicide. Y'all need to listen to this. See, some of you all think if I just had a million dollars, I would be happy. Then why did Robin Williams kill himself? Money will not get to the root of your sadness. Some of you are like, money could fix all my problems. Then you have never been cheated on with money in your pocket. Anybody here that ever had money in their pocket and your loved one, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, girlfriend cheated on you, did that money in your pocket make you feel better? No, your heart was broken in a million pieces, wasn't it? Those who say, oh, money can fix all my problems. You've never watched a wayward child break a parent's heart before. Do you think when wayward children go away that the money you have in your pocket will heal your pain? Now watch this man worth hundreds of millions of dollars going through a divorce, contemplating suicide, goes to a pastor just like me and asks him for help. What do you think that pastor told him? Go to Vegas and forget about your problems? Go on your private jet and make it rain, pop bottles? You know what he told him? He said, go to a soup kitchen and start serving people. Because the Bible teaches, give and it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. The biblical principle of emotional healing comes from you helping others. You've got to get that in your heart right now. We understand the golden rule as do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And we think of that more passively. Like, you know, like if you do me wrong, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. But we don't really understand the, the positive of that statement, which is this. Make happen for others what you want to have happen to you. See, instead of sitting back and every time somebody does you wrong, you just be like, well, I won't do you like how I would want to do you, so I'm not going to do anything wrong. Like, we're always taking it passively. No, we need to see the loving people as we love ourselves as an action. Make happen for others what you want to have happen for you. And what better gift can you give somebody than the gift of salvation? Everything you and I do here is temporal compared to our souls. So you want blessed children? Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says, raise your children to go to college, and when they are old, they will be happy. Is that what the Bible says? Parents, raise your kids to go to college. But that's, that's a lot of what this culture thinks about, isn't it, when it comes to parenting. Oh, I just got to get my kids in college. Got to get them to college. I got to have them join 50 sports, ballet and dance and this and that, so they can get scholarships to go to college. Hello, have you ever been to U of I? Have you ever been to where they are at college? Hello, moms and dads. It's one of the most perverse, disgusting places you could be. Look it up online. Almost every college student will catch an STD. They'll get drunk to the point of passing out. Some of the worst people I dealt with living in New Orleans, a tourist city on Bourbon Street, wasn't the kind of people you would think of. It wasn't one-eyed Willie, homeless Joe peeing on himself. The worst people I had to deal with was five Beta Kappa college kids coming to party all night long on Bourbon Street. Girls would strip down naked. Guys would spit at us. Y'all ain't hearing me, though. Somebody say amen. That's the truth. So does the Bible say raise up your kids to go to college? 
No, college is good. I've been to college. I recommend college, but I recommend finding what God calls you to do more. Maybe God called you to be a plumber. We need plumbers. Amen. Go to trade school. But listen to me on this. This is what the Bible says. Parents, raise up your children in the ways of the Lord so that when they are old, they will not depart. You want the blessing upon your children of the knowledge of God that they'll marry the first person they kiss, remain a virgin, raise up their children with the same man or same woman, that they themselves would be self-sufficient and be able to take care of themselves, a, a help to society, then teach them the ways of God. You can't expect your children to go the right path unless you teach them the ways of God. You can't expect your marriage to be blessed unless you apply the commands. Now, going back to this point right here, you can't expect emotional healing unless you know how to give out and serve to others. Unless you start making happen for others what you want to have happen to you. Now, I want to say this before I get into the introduction. Look at your neighbor and say it's the intro before the intro. Haven't even started the message yet. Haven't even started. Everybody take a break. We're here to have fun, right? We haven't even got to the introduction. It's right after this, and I got seven points and another video and a cute picture to show you. Got plenty of stuff to talk about, okay? This is just the intro to the intro. Listen to me. When I wasn't saved as an 18-year-old kid, high school dropout doing drugs in Fort Wayne, Indiana, I didn't want to do this either. The only person here that is really not going to want to do this is the non-Christian. And I want to say that to you here. I want to be very honest with you. If you're saying, I don't want to do this, I've got to question your salvation if you're really saved. Because as we talked about over here, those who know God, they're born again. You see, I'm going to tell you my testimony, and it kind of lines up with the Bible, so it's not just my opinion. And so if yours doesn't line up with the Bible and make sense, I've got to question what went wrong along the way. November 5th, 1995, I got drugs in my pocket. I'm sitting at my mother's kitchen table in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I'm asking her to bring me to a mental hospital because I'm going crazy. Many of you have heard that story. My mom tells me, you don't need a mental hospital. All you need is Jesus. I'm still upset. I think she should be doing more. I've been on drugs for a long time. I've been arrested eight times. Had a lot of crazy stuff going in my life. Gun pulled on me, almost OD'd in a car on crystal meth. All of this stuff in my life. And she's telling me about that old Christian religion I was brought up in. One of the reasons why I left at 16 and dropped out of school. But at this point, November 5th, 1995, around 7 in the evening, I said I'm going to give it a try. Faith the size of a mustard seed, a ballpoint pen dot on a white piece of paper is about as much faith as I have. But God changes my heart that day. I feel the love of God warm my soul, brings me to repentance. I start weeping and repenting of my sin. And now guess what? Now I want to tell my friends that I was getting high with just a few hours ago or a few days ago. I want to tell them about Jesus. I had hoop earrings in, a beanie around my head. If you ever want to know what I looked like as a sinner, because I don't have a lot of pictures. Kids take about 1,000 pictures a year on average. I have about three pictures from my teenage life, okay? But here's the picture. Hoop earrings, goatee, little beanie around my head, uh, flannel, baggy pants, Timberlands, and I looked like a guy from Cypress Hill, if anybody remembers them. I want to get high, so high, insane in the membrane. Y'all don't even know Cypress Hill. I got to show you a picture of Cypress Hill. I got to show you Cypress Hill. This was, this was our, these were our gods. These were our idols. These were the guys we wanted to be like. This is what it was like to be cool back then. That was me. The guy in the middle. That was the guy I wanted to be like. 
Looks so silly now, but that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be cool with my little beanie, my, my hoop earrings and goatee. But guess what? November 6th, my friend wanted me to take him to the airport, and he always knew how to get me to do something. He said, I'll give you some weed, and you drive me there. But guess what? Don't want to do that. I want to tell you about Jesus. Lost my first friend talking about Jesus. But it came so natural. It's like one beggar found bread. Now I got to tell all the other beggars, this is where it's at. Man, I'm high now. Oh, good, man. Give me some of that stuff. No, I'm high on the most high. I'm high on Jesus. Give Jesus a try. Seriously. I'm still smoking, still cussing. I remember getting into a religious debate with one of my friends. I cussed him out in the debate. Months go by. Cigarettes drop off. Never get drunk again. Never smoke cigarettes again. Never say a swear word again. Never have sex again until I get married 10 years later and say I do. Hello, that's a miracle. Y'all don't know dude. Somebody says say amen. That's a miracle. We're done looking at this guy. Amen. But somebody say that's a miracle. And so then what happens? Now it burns in my heart so much that I got to tell people about Jesus that I go to my pastor and I say, hey, didn't, didn't we used to do some food giveaway around here? Like, where'd y'all get that food from? Like, they did it like once a year or something. And, and they're like, yeah, you go to a food bank, you give them 10 cents, they'll give you one pound of food. I said, bet. I used to spend about 100, 200 a week on drugs. Let me take that and give it away to the hurting communities I used to buy drugs from. That's God there. Can I get an amen? That's God there. 18-year-old kid, just got off drugs. Now he's going to a food bank, spending $100. If I spend $100 there for my hard-earned money, how much food did I have in pounds? 1,000 pounds of food. Packed out to Saturn. Went down to Eden Green Community. The projects of Fort Wayne on the south side, right off of Pontiac Avenue, South Anthony. Started knocking on doors. Hey, man, can we give you some groceries to help out with your family? Just want to tell you guys about Jesus. And then they would say, sure, come on in. And I'd be like, y'all got a Bible here? And I was before, you know, tech phones. Like, yeah, we got a Bible on the coffee table. You know, whew, you know, blow off the dust. Open that big thing up. Okay, turn to Psalms 1. I had the thing memorized. Go get there, get there. And I'd be like, listen, the Bible says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand the way of the sinner, sit in the seat of the mocker, but his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water who yields his fruit and seed and does not let us leaf wither, and whatever he does prospers. 18-year-old kid used to be on drugs. Now I'm preaching. A few months later, called to Bible college. A few months, or a few years later, start a church in New Orleans. 21 years later, I'm still here. You see, that's what it does in your life. All glory to God, amen? All glory to God. Let me ask you a question. If I was to tell your life story, whose lives have you changed through preaching the gospel? You see, preaching the gospel is not just what I do as an occupation. It's what I did to heal myself from all the drug addiction, all the pain, all the emotional distress. Hanging out with Jesus and talking about Jesus changed my life. Y'all ready for this message? Y'all ready for this? Okay, that was like a little summer lazy. Yeah, come on, give me like a winter. You ain't got nowhere to go today, no barbecue. You want to stay till 5 in the evening. Give me a yes. Y'all ready to do this? Amen. Research shows, we're going to start with a message in case you're keeping track. Research shows that more than half of Jesus' earthly life was spent on the, spree, the streets preaching the gospel in public. Your Lord and Savior did just what I talked about. 
He could have came at any time. He could have been a televangelist, movie star, rock star, did anything he wanted. But he came at a time where his message had to be spread on the streets. You think it's changed now? Despite technology, the best way to spread a message is word of mouth. Today's disciples should heed both Jesus' command to go into the country roads and lanes and follow his clear example. If Jesus did it, should we do it? Yes, we should. Public evangelism. Everybody say public evangelism. Thank you. It's about Jesus and being led by the Holy Spirit. I'm not out there telling people my life story. I'm going to tell you guys some stories today, maybe some about New Orleans, crazy people I've met out there, some people I've met here in gangs, all the different places I've been. Belmont and Clark, my wife and I went out there for almost three years every Friday and Saturday. Now i got so many stories to tell you, but I want you to get this. It is not about me. It's not about my life message. It's not about my charisma and how nice I am to people. It is about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I have been with people that you think would have easily accepted Jesus. They hated it. They got mad. And then those you think would have nothing to do with Jesus are the ones who were hearing it. And I hate to point out my two blue-haired friends, but i got to just point them out. Guys, just stand up. Let's give it up for Josh and Cecily. See, you may look at them and say, they ain't got nothing to do with Jesus, but I'll see them go after God. Are you listening to me? I've seen the most awesome testimonies. You guys may be seated before we go out and preach because I know you're excited. It's impossible to preach the, whole, the, the gospel without the Holy Spirit, though. We need God's power on the inside of us. Jesus showed us that example. So Jesus had the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. What came on Jesus like a, like a dove at his baptism? The Holy Spirit. Do you need the Holy Spirit? If Jesus needed it, do you need it? Okay, look. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the what? In the power of the Spirit. In the power of his education. In the power of his good works. His good looks. His good smile. His sense of humor. No, he came in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the countryside. How did the news spread? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook? How did it spread? Word of mouth. Who are you telling about Jesus today? Who are you going out of your way to let know that Jesus is a Savior, that Jesus changes lives? Also, people said of Jesus in Luke 24, 19, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Do you want to know why we were called Christians? Does anybody want to know why? Christian is a biblical term, but it never came from Jesus. Jesus always called the people that followed him his disciples, never called them Christians. Do you know who the first ones were that called us Christians? Were the first ones, let me ask you like this, were the first, trivia, were the first ones who called us Christians pagans or disciples? Pagans. Do you know why they called us pagans? Because they said, you look and act just like Jesus. Jesus preached everywhere, and this guy named Peter is preaching everywhere. He's a Christ, I-A-N, a Christ-like person. The suffix I-A-N is to identify with the noun you give att attached to that. Christ, I-A-N, means you're like Christ. Pagans looked at us and go, they're like Christ. What made them like Christ? Were they walking on water? Were the disciples doing that? No, what they were doing was preaching the word, helping the poor, praying for the sick. They were doing exactly what Jesus did. Think about that. Do people know you as a Christian or just a person who goes to church? There's a big difference. There's a lot of people who go to church, but they ain't Christ-like. Hello? He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Now look at what Jesus did before he went to heaven. He said this to them in Acts 1a. Look at the scripture. But you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you so that you will be my church attendees and choir singers and conference whatever people. Is that what it says? You will receive the Holy Spirit for this one purpose and this one purpose only, to be my. When was the last time you asked the Holy Spirit to make you a witness? We asked the Holy Spirit to get good grades in school. 
We ask the Holy Spirit to help us pay our bills. We ask the Holy Spirit to get us out of traffic. I may have done that prayer. I do that all the time. Dear God, help me. Jesus, I need you now. I'm so serious. I get stuck in traffic all the time. We pray for that. But once last time, you said, Holy Spirit, anoint me, empower me to open my mouth so I'm not shy. Help me to get over my own insecurities that I may have power to be a witness for your name. When's the last time you prayed like that? See, that's a prayer of a revolutionary. God gave us power, the Greek word dunamis, explosive energy on the inside to be his witnesses. Does that sound like Joe's testimony from 1995? Yes. Does that sound like Peter, Paul, and James' testimony of Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, 7, and 8, all the way to 28? Hello? Does that sound like your testimony, brother or sister? That's up to you now, isn't it? They call this book the book of Acts. Do you see that Acts 1-8 right there? You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You see that? But it's Acts 1-8. Everybody see that? You know why they named the book Acts instead of the book of laziness, the book of complacency? It's because the disciples actually went out and did these things. If we were to name your Christian life, would we call it the book of laziness, the book of excuses? Well, I can't mean that. Oh, gosh. Oh, I can't do that. It's so hot outside, and I'm so shy. I can't tell anybody about Jesus. It's just not my personality. Oh, oh, it's not your personality to make noise and a fool out of yourself in the world's mind. No, it's not my personality. Well, what do you do at a Cubs game when they hit a ball with a wooden bat over a fence? You use your words then, don't you? You get excited then. You slap high fives neighbor to neighbors then. You don't even know strangers, right? See, the problem isn't that God's not powerful enough to make us witnesses. It's just we don't want to be them. Let's just get right down to it. Because what he says, I'll give you power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to where? The ends of the earth. If you look at a map and you look at Jerusalem here and you try to spin it one whole degree over, so meaning like the same distance of whatever the map is and you split it in half. So let's say like the, the globe is like 7,000 miles. We're like exactly the furthest probably you could be from Jerusalem, like 3,500 miles. That is literally the end of the earth. But aren't you glad somebody preached the gospel to you? Aren't you glad somebody reached your family? Aren't you glad somebody went to Puerto Rico? Aren't you glad somebody went to Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, China? You're, aren't you glad that these disciples spread the word? That's why we're here today, isn't it? You see, we preach to reach to teach, to preach, to reach, to teach. I preach to reach you, to teach you to go preach. Then you preach to reach another person, to teach them to preach again. Do you get it? Reach one, to teach one, to preach to one, to reach one. It just goes on and on and on. This is what the Bible says. Are you all ready for the message today? Okay, this is the message now. I got just a few more moments. Look with me in Mark chapter 6, verse 15. Mark chapter 16, rather. Mark 16, verse 15. Look in your Bibles if you have it. If not, look up here. Jesus said to them, go into how much of the world? Just the part that looks like you, talks like you, smells like you. How many of you ever been around Indian people? I've been to India three times. What's the first thing you, many of us have said? Oh, my gosh, I like that smell. But do you ever wonder what they think about you when they smell you? Oh, I don't like that smell. 
I don't know how that's like an Asian voice. I don't know. Let me think. I can't even do an Indian voice. I was going to try to do one in my head. You ever think about that? See, we look at, oh, you smell. What's wrong with you? Curry. Oh, my gosh. How many like curry now? Have you tried it? Right? We look at all these things weird. I remember when sushi came around, I was like, oh, that's so gross. And like now every girl likes it, right? But that first girls were like, oh, that's so gross. Now girls are like, oh, I want to go get sushi. It's so awesome. But at first it was like, it was so gross. Oh. See, the Bible says go into all the world. That means people who don't look like you, smell like you, talk like you, have money like you. You go to the whole world. And what do you do? Tell them a nice story, shake their hand, give out free hugs. No, and what? Preach. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. How many of you all think you're supposed to do that? How many think we're supposed to do that? Okay, you all get my point here in teaching us this? I love you guys. I'm not trying to just be sassy. I'm being real. That's what your Jesus said. Look at your neighbor and say, that's what he said. Yep, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized is saved. That's the message. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Here's what's going to happen. Here are the things that are going to happen when people are preaching. Demons are going to get cast out. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. How many believe that God still does that? I believe that. Verse 18, they will pick up snakes with their hands and drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them. What that means there is that's how people died on trips. You could get bitten by a wild snake. Paul was bit by one as he went to go get firewood in the book of Acts. It bit him. It was a poisonous snake. He's like, oh, get off me. He shook it off. Never died. The people of the village were like, this dude must be from God. He, got, he had special protection. What would that be like in our day? That would be like people pulling a trigger on you or pulling a gun and the trigger not working. I have friends that have been on the streets and they pulled a gun and they shot and it didn't go off. Right? I've, I've heard stories of things like that where God gives supernatural protection. Sometimes we do die for the gospel, but this is what it's talking about. Protect you, and they will drink deadly poison and it will not hurt them. They tried to poison our disciples at different times. That was a way of killing them and God protecting them. They tried to poison John the Apostle, but he was spared. And they will not get hurt at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will what? Get well. So what are we supposed to do? Cast out demons, speak in new tongues, walk invincible, and then pray for the sick. When it's time to go, God will tell you when it's time to go. Even the greatest miracle workers like Paul and Peter, when it's time for them to go, they die. But until that time, God protected them. So guess what? You ain't supposed to be scared. Let's go to the south side. Let's go to the west side. Let's go preach as long as we're supposed to preach. Did you know your life's already a miracle? You're not even supposed to be here today. You could have died in that car accident. You could have died on waiting for the bus. Remember that lady got hit by the bus? Hello, you're not even promised you're going to eat that next bit of food. Zoe, our baby, was choking on food. You could have died choked out at three years old. Hello, somebody. You know babies die like that, don't they? You're already a miracle. The safest place to be is in the plan of God. Trust him. And when it's time, you'll go. Amen? Now watch this. This is why it was named the book of Acts, because Mark says what they went out and do. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up to heaven, sat down at the right hand of God. Then the what? The disciples went out and... Preached where? Just in church? Just at conferences? Just on TV? Just with people with three-piece suits? No, they preached where? Everywhere. On their job, in their community, on the streets, by the shores of Galilee. They went and preached everywhere. Then watch this. And the Lord, what? Worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Let me say it like this. If you want God to work with you on your job, work with God on his job. You want God to care about your family and your home? Care about God's family and his home, the church. Come on, somebody. 
You want God to take care of your needs, take care of God's need or in the sense of what God wants. God wants the gospel to be preached. He wants the world to hear his message. He wants us to be the vessels. See, many of us disqualify ourselves and say, well, you know, that would, you know I'm not qualified. If I do that, I'll be a hypocrite. You know what a hypocrite is? It's someone who pretends they have no problems. You know what a Christian is? Someone who admits their problems, gets forgiven, and changes. So which one are you? Stop making excuses. If we had to wait for perfect preachers, then we wouldn't even have preaching today because I don't always do it perfectly, right? We would have to, like, set down the mic and go like, hey, guys, let's all be quiet here. We're waiting for Angel Gabriel to come today. Because no one else can preach, because no one else is perfect, because you got to be perfect to preach. So just everybody wait. And we just sit here and wait. And then all of a sudden, you can see him coming through the rafters. Uh, here's Angel Gabriel. And we all hand clap. Is that how it's done? No, God uses people like us to preach the message, doesn't he? November 5th, 1995, he used me, didn't, me to, didn't he, to preach to my friends, right? November 6th, 7th, and 8th. 21 years later, you're still using me, right? You're here. My wife will tell you all the mistakes I have. Just ask her. You know, I'm telling you, I make mistakes. But God loves me, gave me a message, and we're to share it. Some of you I get don't get paid to do that. This is my occupation. This is what I went to college for. But remember, all of us preach everywhere to all creation. My dad led this to me. I wasn't born in a preacher's home. I was born in a businessman's home. And my dad did financial planning. Many of his customers and clients were multimillionaires, mostly from small businesses working the grind up, you know. Like somebody who owns a store and does it well gets another location, right? And so my dad would talk to them about their financial future. And I've told you this before and say, hey, you know, maybe he's talking to Bob. And he's like, Bob, looks like we got all your stuff in order. Here's your retirement. Here's your CDs. Here's your mutual funds. And you know what my dad would say? But are you ready for eternity? Are you ready for eternity? The guy said, no, I don't want to talk about it. Hey, that's fine. No problem. Okay, let's go on to something else. But if the guy said, no, what do you mean? My dad would say, let me tell you about Jesus. Because all the treasures you have here won't count up there. You've got to be born again. God has a plan for your life. You see, that's how God used my dad. And my dad taught me as a young man, Joe, you care about God's business. He'll care about your business. You see, and that's how we need to get back to the gospel. And so here's what it means to be a public witness, is to preach the gospel to strangers in public like Jesus and the apostles. Do you know that everybody did this in the Bible? There is not one person in the Bible who said, excuse me, Jesus, uh, that's not really my gift. That's not really what I do. I'll bake cakes for the people who preach for Jesus, and they'll have something nice when they come back. No, no, no. No one could ever tip out of this, like, oh, excuse me, or, you know, dip out like I'm done. Everybody. How many of the disciples preached? All of them. Can I give you the same, the same instructions that they had? You all ready? Here they are. Seven things. You need to know the gospel, the nature of the gospel, the, how the gospel is spread, the penalty if you don't share the gospel, four main parts of the gospel, 12 methods to share the gospel, and how to be used by the Spirit to preach the gospel. How many think I can do this in 10 minutes? I think I can. Let's do it. Everybody say, do it. Get, get, get right to it. Just Get get right to it. Do 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 it. Get get right to it. Okay, got got you guys up a little bit. Here we go. The gospel defined. Here it is. Very simple. Not going to take a lot of time. The gospel. What does it mean? That thing we're preaching. What we're talking about. It's the good news concerning God's glory and humanity's salvation by the grace of God through faith in Christ Jesus. A lot of words there, simplified. What does it mean? You're telling people about Jesus and how men can be saved. 
but it is for God's glory. That's why I want you to have this bigger definition because we're not just being saved for our own sake. Like God doesn't want us to go to hell because hell is bad for us. No, God wants us to be saved because he loves us for his own sake. So I'm, I'm living for Jesus not just because I'm afraid of hell, but because I really love Jesus. What's the nature of the gospel? Like, you know, if you look at a recipe, what's the nature of this? What's the components of this? When you look at the gospel, what it is, is it is the power of God unto salvation. That's Romans 1.16. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. So you know when you preach the gospel, there's power in it. We're not arguing people into the kingdom of God. We're not trying to, like, win them over in a chess debate like, oh, you said that? Oh, I'm going to say this. Well, who created God? Well, God doesn't need a creator. Okay, you know, who, who did Cain sleep with to have a wife? You know, Oh, you know, like we're getting into all these debates. No, no, no. The gospel is you're a sinner. Jesus died on the cross for you. Repent of your sins. There is the power. I have the answers to those questions. I'm writing my 10th book right now, and a lot of it's going to answer a lot of questions like that. But listen, it doesn't matter those questions because the information is not what changes people's heart. It's the transformation. It's transformation, power of the Holy Spirit. When I was sitting that day with my mom, I had so many arguments. I was like, what about Buddha? What about all these things that I don't believe in? Like, this is all fairy tale. And all my mom had to do is keep telling me, no, it's Jesus, Jesus, and it penetrates the heart. The gospel will do what you can't do. Okay, amen. How do we spread the gospel? Very simple. How does it get around? Through people preaching it. Yes, you can use Facebook. Yes, we can use media. We're using it right now. But what's the most important way? Face-to-face contact. You sharing what it means to you with others. That's how we do it. Now, what's the penalty of not sharing the gospel? Let me show this to you. Everybody go to Acts 20, 26. Because some of you right now may think to yourself like, I'm not sure if I want to do this. Can I tell you what happens if you disobey God's commands? Can I show you? How many want to see that? Right? But none of you are planning on doing that, though, right? So, like, right now, if I said, let's go preach out here, you guys would be cool with that, right? I'm saying we would train you how to do it, but you would be cool. You wouldn't be like, no, I don't want to. You wouldn't, like, stiff arm me, like in football, like, back off. You know, I guess they're running with the ball, like the Heisman Trophy stance, like, boom, you know? Like, you wouldn't do that to me. I'd be like, let's go out and preach. Boink. No, I'm not. I got somewhere to go right now. Let's go on and preach. Boink, I'm shy. You wouldn't do that, right? And some of y'all don't have big old butts, right? Like, let's go preach. But I'm not ready to go preach, pastor. You wouldn't have no big old butt, right? Did you all put your butts on sin fast? No butts, right? Well, we got to go preach the gospel. But wouldn't they don't like me? You don't have one of those because butts stink, right? Okay, get out rid of your big old butts. Get rid of the Heisman Trophy. Boink, you know, get rid of that. Here's what it says, Acts 20, verse 26. Matter of fact, let's back it up a little bit. Everybody say back that thing up. I'm talking about the Bible, y'all. Keep your minds holy. Don't think about the other thing we were talking about. Keep it holy. Look at this right here. We backing that Bible up. Look right here. Acts chapter 20. Here's Paul talking, the man that's been teaching us a lot today. He says, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. See, a lot of people have given their lives for the gospel. People have died for this thing, okay? It's not a joke. It's not a game. It's serious. That's why I wear this bracelet to remind me of the persecuted church. It was like that then and it's like that around the world in a lot of places. I could show you of a Nigerian woman that was stoned to death in Nigeria from preaching the gospel like how we do here today. I can show you people that have been caught and captured in China for preaching the gospel. That's why I remember the persecuted church. Paul was like that back then. The Romans hated the gospel. They loved all the gods. You could have any god you want. Jesus could be one of their many gods. Didn't care. The problem they had with Jesus in the gospel is we said he was the only god. That was the problem they had with us. 
They actually called us atheists. Did you know that? The first Christians were called atheists. You know why? Because we didn't believe in all their gods. They're like, oh, my gosh, these guys are atheists. They only have one God. We have like ten gods, right? That's what they thought about us, right? That was crazy for them to think that we was, there was only one God, but that's why we were giving our lives for it. You know that I have not hesitated to what? Preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. Do you know that our church has ten opportunities for you to preach the gospel in all different environments so you can learn and feel comfortable? You can come early before Sunday morning service and stand out there and preach to people as they're getting ready uh, for the bus or going on the streets. You can stay after and do it. That's on Sunday. You can come out on Monday when I go out to the different communities on here when school starts. I also go to the Wright College when school starts there. We go out on Wednesdays around this neighborhood and to the west side when we pick up our children. We had 96 people here Wednesday for our children's ministry. 70 were kids, about 20 adults. Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. You can come join us on Thursday nights for the gang ministry. Friday has three opportunities. The youth meet here, 11 to 18, and then they go out and preach the gospel. And you'd love to see how these youth preach. It's amazing. I'm so proud of them. I go out with them all the time. Then the two Friday adult Bible studies, they go to house to house in the parks before they go out and preach. Saturday, then we have evangelists. We have 10 opportunities. Paul set that example. Yes, Paul, I will be just like you. I want to be like Paul and Jesus, don't you? I don't want to be like Miley Cyrus. I don't want to be like any of these people. I want to be like Jesus. I declared both to Jew and Greek that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. There's the gospel. I told them. This is what I told them. Turn to God in repentance. Say sorry for your sin. Put faith in Jesus. Now watch. Now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. You know what ended up happening? He, got, he went from Jerusalem to Rome and got beheaded. That's what happened to him. But he was willing to keep going. He didn't quit. I only know that in every city, and the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardships are waiting for me. So he knew that he was going to face some hard times. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the what? The race and complete the task. Isn't that the same guy who told us about looking to these racers and running in such a way to win the prize? That's how he lived. He said, I want to finish my race, complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none among you will that I've been preaching about the kingdom will ever see me again because he's like, I know I'm leaving. I'm not coming back. Now look at the verse I wanted to share with you. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the what? Of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. What's it going to be like on Judgment Day when your neighbors are there and they're getting condemned for them not accepting Jesus? Will they look back at you and say, why didn't you tell me? What Paul is saying is there's going to be a real judgment. And when those people do that, he's going to hold up his hands. And he's going to say, your blood's not on my hand. I preached to you. I stood out there on that corner. You saw me. You walked by me and pretended you didn't see me. But I just wonder if some of us will look and see the blood of their souls on our hands. I don't think it's going to cost us going to hell because the only thing that sends us to hell is our disbelief in God. But I believe, as the Bible says, we'll feel shame and embarrassment and a broken heart for not sharing it with them. Paul used this imagery, which comes from the prophet of Ezekiel, when God called him to be a watchman. And he said, God, uh, he said, I called you to be a watchman. And watchmen had to warn when the enemies came. And if the watchman fell asleep on the city wall and the enemy came and attacked, it would, the blood would be on their hands. And, the, and God said to that prophet, he said, if you don't tell these people what I'm telling you, it's like you're not warning. The enemy's going to come and the blood's going to be on your hand. Do you all get that example? Paul is pulling that out of the Old Testament. And he's saying, I'm not going to be responsible for this. I've preached to you. Can you say that to your friends and family and community? Let me just tell you a couple qu uh, quick stories, okay? 
So I'm standing out here in front of this uh, corner store. It used to be a place where they sold cell phones. I see a gangbanger. He's all tatted up. He's got the tears. The guy is really hardcore, not a make-believer, not a little kid, not a wannabe. He's a real deal. I start preaching to him because I preach to everybody. Right? I'm telling him about Jesus. He's very receptive. Like I said, you just never know who's going to be receptive. He listens to me. We're talking. He's got to go. He takes my card. Calls me up at 3 in the morning. This was before I knew how to shut off my cell phone. Calls me up at 3 in the morning drunk. And tells me that that night his boy just got his head blown off and he's dead now. He wants me to come to the funeral. A couple days later, I go to the funeral house here on Cicero. How many know the funeral house on Cicero? So a few ways down here. And I got really scared, okay, because I'm going to a gangbanger's funeral. And I'm just wondering what's going to happen. Well, the worst case scenario did happen. While we were there and I was supposed to preach, the other gang showed up. They started screaming and hollering. Guns were pulled out. And my wife and I ran probably as fast as you can run out of the funeral parlor into our car and drove away. But I was willing to go. <laughs> Here's my point in saying that. I'm willing to go. If you pull out a gun, you guys want to start, and they ended up shooting there. They did shoot. I ended up talking to the guy later, but I was willing to go. My hands are free from the blood of those men. We go to the west side. We go to preach. The first time we show up out there, no one really wants to hear from us. I remember talking to a drug dealer on the corner, and he said, do you want some drugs? And I'm like, no. And he's like, are you the police? And I'm like, no. He's like, then what are you doing out here, white boy? Why are you here? And I said, I came here to preach the gospel to you. This is what he told me in the chicken shack right there. No joke because I was getting some food. This is what he told me. He said, nobody cares about this neighborhood. No, no church ever comes out here. And I said, be for real with me. You're saying no church has ever come out? He said, no, they ain't done nothing here. I went to the park. The park was dilapidated. It's called Ohio Park. We went there. The very first day we went there, we met a woman in the park. She said, I've been waiting to preach the gospel here. I go to a church. Nobody helps us. She said, will you help me? We worked together for four years, helped the park get new. Now we've been there for 10 years. And you can look at my Facebook and see the testimony of Shamal and Destiny and other young people who started off as children who have now come to know the Lord. Another story. I was going out to just shooting them off as they come. Brand new to New Orleans. Go down to Bourbon Street. It's too loud. I want to go witnessing on Decatur Street. So I go to Decatur Street in front of the hideout. It's called a bar, the hideout. It's where Trent Reznor, Courtney Love, Kurt Cobain's wife, right? You know, all these people hang out there. They shoot heroin. They do drugs. Really crazy place. I meet a witch doctor. He says some crazy stuff. Kind of scares me. But I keep preaching out there. I meet a guy named Thorn. God-given name, Thorn. His mom named him Thorn. She was a stripper. She didn't want to have a baby, but she had one anyway. And said, so I might as well just call you Thorn because that's how I feel about you. Thorn was there. Thorn was there with his friend Danny. They hated God. They mocked God. So Thorn thought it would be funny to try to throw me off my faith to see how much I could take as a Christian. So he tells me that he was raised by a pastor, but yet his dad molested him and raped him every day of his life. He goes into graphic, just gross things. And I'm just like, listen, your dad's going to hell. That's one thing I can tell you. That's uh, bad. I'm sorry it happened. But let's get to the point. Jesus still loves you. I offer him my card. He doesn't want it. His friend Danny takes it. Danny then calls me up a few days later and says, man, you know what? I've been thinking about what you said. Can you come to my house? I come to his house on Halloween day, right? I get there, and he's basically almost in tears. I then pray for him, lead him to Jesus. His mom cooks one of the best southern meals, red beans and rice I've ever had. I'm telling you, it was great. Guess who walks in through the door? Thorn walks in through the door with his combat boots, crazy tats. You guys would love him. He comes right through the door, turns right back around. He's like, in his mind, he's like, what in the world is that preacher doing in my house, right? 
Long story short, I say, Danny, can we get him back in? Danny brings him back in. We start talking to him. He admits he lied. He wasn't raised by that. He was raised by a mom that was a stripper. But he hates God for all these other reasons. We then take our time. We pray for him. We lead him to the Lord. Thorne then joins the church, then joins the Bible college. Now he's happily married as a paramedic. That's what God can do. That's what God can do. Are you listening to me? I could keep you here with stories all day long. You, you talk about your waiters and waitresses all the time. I ask them, hey, thank you for serving us. We're about ready to pray. We're a praying family. Or I'm praying with my dude. Hey, do you want a prayer request? you have anything we want to pray, you know, we can pray about? Long story short, Mike says, pray for my sister. I say, I'm going to pray for your sister. Mike, I pray for him. I give him my number. Mike calls me up a few days later. He works at the Charlie Stop right off of St. Charles in New Orleans. He tells me I'm homeless, I'm on crack, and I do all this to work to get more drugs. I say, Mike, man, come over to my house. I'll take you, and I brought in over 30 people people in my house, a lot of homeless people back then in New Orleans. I'd take them in, take them in, sleep with one eye open with a knife under my bed, but I would take them in my house, okay? Mike comes to my house. He goes into the drug rehab program. He gives his life to Jesus. I move up to Chicago. I go back to New Orleans for hurricane relief effort. A guy's riding a forklift truck, forklift thing, you know what I'm talking, forklift, towards me, jumps off, starts screaming, runs and hugs me, then tells me who he is. It's Mike, the man that I've won to the Lord back on those days. He's still serving Jesus. He has a beautiful family, and he's going to that church all day long to the break of break of dawn. I got five I'm going to show you from Chicago. Are you ready for that? But before we do, I got to close out this message. I want us to know that the blood won't be on our hands. How do we preach the gospel? Four main parts. Tell people about God. Tell them who they are without God. Tell them what Jesus did for them and tell them to put their faith in Jesus. That's how you preach the gospel. God loves you, and you're a sinner, and you deserve hell because you've done a lot of crazy stuff. These things are called commands. They're pretty serious. But guess what? Jesus died on the cross for you. Put faith in him. He'll save you. Here are the ways we preach the gospel. Cast out demons. We perform miracles. God does it through us. We share meals. How many think that's pretty cool? Amen. Tell parables. Tell a story. Uh, meet people's needs. We have a Facebook page that's called the Good Samaritan page. It's like a Craigslist. We give away stuff there all the time, and we get to meet people through that. Rebuke sin. Sometimes you got to tell people about their sin. Belmont and Clark, a lot of that was me telling people about their sin. Had to do it. Somebody had to. Public proclamation. You also got to street preach. Sometimes I lift my voice and start preaching. Other times I'm just witnessing, like, hey, you got time to talk about Jesus? But sometimes I go to the college campus here on Wright College, and they're just, like, too cool to talk about Jesus. And they're all at the bus stop, and they're all awkward. <laughs> Don't talk to me, man. And I'm like, you want to talk about Jesus? And they're like, no. That's how I feel about you. Know, it's like a little spirit, like a little, like a little devil saying, not them, but a little demon. Hey, don't talk to me. Don't talk. And then I'm like, hey, do you want to talk about Jesus? No, I don't want to talk about Jesus. So then sometimes I take a step back from the bus stop. I'm like, hey, y'all don't want to talk about Jesus, but I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And I start preaching. You should come and do that with me. It's fun. I also broke my windshield because I went car surfing down Bourbon Street one time on top of my Saturn. I said, I've never done this. I said, dude, you drive my car. I'll get on top of it, and let's see how far I can preach on Bourbon Street because New Orleans is just crazy, by the way. So I'm on top of my car. Then the police obviously stopped me, and so I go to get off my car, and I jump, and I put my foot through my windshield. Thankfully, my foot didn't go through. It just cracked it really bad. I have done it on top of a 15-passenger van as well. And guess what happened? Because you guys are like, that's crazy. We've done drive-bys too. We have a little sound system, pop open the doors and start preaching everywhere we go. We've done that. And then I was, I was surfing on top of the car, making it rain tracks and flyers and all of this. And it was so cool because then when we got done, there was a car full of girls, girls, and I had guys and girls in the car, but it just happened to be girls, all girls in the car. You know what they said? 
when we saw you preaching, it convicted us. We wanted to come and get to know you guys because we go to a church across the lake or somewhere around there. It's like, man, we don't want to do this no more. It convicted them. They didn't go out. Praise God. Giving people the cost of discipleship, you got to do that. You got to tell people about that. Serving, help people. How many are glad that we're doing another back-to-school outreach here at the end of the, in the month? We did that on the west side last week. That was awesome. Debate, confrontation. I've debated Muslims, Catholics, Mormons. Like, you never know what you'll find when you come to Metro Praise. Like, one day there may just be a call up here, and I'll be debating them. And you'll be like, what's going on? Well, Joe's going to debate them in front of us. We've done that. Like, seriously, I had three Mormons up here one day. It started with one Mormon because I wanted him to, like, have a fair chance. But then he was like, hey, I don't really know a lot of stuff. Can I call up my friends? And then it was like two of them came up, and it was like three. And then before you know, like all four of them were up there, and they're just like, we don't know any of this stuff, man. And I'm like, that's why you need to repent for this foolishness. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, he ain't scared. And then here's the best one. Here we go. Not the best one, just one of the cool ones. Share about the end times. Try this next time when you're on the train or on the bus, public transportation. Just look at the person next to you and be like, are you ready for Armageddon? Just try it. After they call 911 and try to get you arrested. No, I'm kidding. But just try to throw something out there. You know what I'm saying? You ready for Armageddon? You ready for the four horsemen of the apocalypse? No. Should I be? Yeah, they're coming. I don't know. I just threw that out there. But, yes, using the end times is an incentive. The last thing is we need to be led by the Spirit. See, look at this. God will show us how to go and preach the gospel if we're filled with the Spirit, won't he? You guys got that? Can I show you a video now of five people in our church whose lives have been changed by preaching the gospel? Can we shut down the videos, por favor? Watch this right here. I mean, yeah, shut down the lights. Watch this right here, guys. It started off in first service by me just calling them up. I was like, you, you you've gotten one to the Lord by street. I started calling them up like street ministry. I was like, you come. And then after we did it, I was like, dude, we need to make a video. Like, we need to make this Facebook official. So then I made a video. And here it is literally from the first service. Okay. You can shut off the stage light right here, my brother, right where I'm at. Here we go. Watch this. All right, what's up, everybody? We are live right now, and I got five testimonies to share with you about personal evangelism. Today's message is on the spiritual discipline of public evangelism and being led of the Lord after the first service. I brought these brothers and sisters up on stage to tell their testimonies, but I said, you know what? I've got to get this legit so that everybody can see it. It's an official record, and then I can play it for second service. So they are going to start off and tell their testimonies right Right now, we're going to start with Jared. Go ahead, brother. How you doing? Um, I first heard about Jesus walking in this very neighborhood. I live three blocks away. I was walking down Long Avenue to the store, and some teenagers from the youth group walk up to me. I don't know them. They don't know me. And they tell me about Jesus. To make a long story short, Jesus became so real to me in the course of a weekend. I got saved wonderfully. That was nine awesome, years now. Awesome, awesome. Come on, Jared Bear, nice and loud, please. Yes, um, I was afternoon drinking at a bar, went out to feed the meter, found a flyer for the church on the ground, picked it up, said this looks like a Christian church, put it in my car, went to the grand opening, and then three weeks after that, gave my heart to Jesus and became a pastor. Woo! Represent <laughs> Chicago for Jesus. Come on, David. Hello, everyone. I was with my family at Portage Park. We were coming out of the uh, swimming pool. We had just finished swimming when we got evangelized by two of the great leaders at Metro Praise. Uh, they spoke to me, they spoke to my wife, we came to the church, and ever since, God has done wonderful things in our life, so Jesus is good, and uh, 
believe when somebody comes and talks to you about Jesus, give them the time. Amen. And brother, you guys have been going out to gang ministry, which is so yes, awesome. And by the way, Jared led our evangelism. He's now an SGM professor with a master's degree. Jared Bear is a pastor, like you said, with a Bible college degree. Him and his wife work with our children and preach on the streets still to this day. Yes, Wednesday sir. before Amen. kids ministry and Thursday with the gangs. And here's an SGM college Bible college graduate and, and leader of our evangelism Chicago for Jesus movement. And how did you first hear about it, Rudy? Well, I was driving to my friend's new apartment in the city, opened my car door. There's a flyer right there. It says M Metro Praise International Church Grand Opening. My friend picks up the flyer. She's excited. Anyways, we go a couple months later. I go to this church service. My life gets rocked by the presence of God alone. And I'm like, I want more of Jesus. If I didn't have Jesus before, I grew up Catholic. And now I'm a full uh, on fire believer for Jesus. Lead our evangelism because I believe in the movement of God and God is good. Amen. Think about that. Two flyers found on the floor. So everything matters when you go out preaching the gospel. Will not return void. Samantha, uh, Samantha, that's your daughter's name. But Christina, awesome mama right here, heard about Jesus, became a Bible college student, soon to graduate, and now she's involved in the ministry. Tell us how you first heard about us. Well, actually, Samantha, I was going to pick up my daughter, Samantha. I was a single wow. mom and I was on North Avenue and um, California near for Boricua fest um i wasn't there for the festival but the i was at the bus festival i was yep. at the bus stop and i saw all these people and i'm like what are these people here doing apparently they were telling people about jesus and Come i on. met a woman griselda at the church she told me about jesus she gave me a bible with me and i just never felt like the love of god like that i went there to the church and literally i had a lot of false ideas the pastor stayed with me until after the church closed hours showing me how jesus christ was lord how jesus is the son of god and just really sharing that love with me and god changed changed my life forever now years later i'm still here serving god doing it for jesus amen amen wow. look at all these wonderful testimonies when i say chicago you say for jesus chicago for jesus chicago for jesus when i say chicago y'all say for jesus chicago chicago let's give it up for jesus come on stand up to your feet with me let's give jesus a hand clap of praise amen Amen. Band, would you come? I think that's going to be Stephanie today. I'll tell you what, it's all about Jesus. Do what Jesus did and follow the leading of the Spirit. Preach the gospel to all the nations and make disciples. If you want to do that, here's a helpful chart. It's so simple. Here you are. You're cool. Well, you know what? You need the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit gives you a method on what to do, and you go out and do it. That's why we see lives changed here. That's why God is still moving in this church. We want you to be a part of that. We want you to join with what the disciples have done throughout the ages. Let's pray in closing. Father, we thank you today for all that you've done. Altar workers, would you come, please? And we ask you now to help us to spread your message around the world. With every head bowed and eyes closed right now, would you start by looking at your own life? Maybe you're a visitor that literally just found a flyer on the floor, and you're here today because someone told you to come or told you about Jesus. Would you ask Jesus into your heart now? Make time to repent. Make it right now your prayer. Those of you who would say, Pastor, I'm already saved, would you be honest with yourself to see if you're truly living for Jesus? If you are, then this is a command that you should show so that you can grow. We're going to dim the lights on the stage a little bit. We're going to prepare a song, but let's pray just a few moments before we do. These uh, altar workers that come here to the front are those that are here to help you, to pray for you for anything. But I want you first to pray 
for yourself. Pray right now to God. If you're not a Christian, ask the Lord to make you a Christian. And how do you do that? You just simply say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. I know you can change me. Start right there. It's that simple. By faith, we are saved. By faith, we are saved. If you have a bunch of sins in your heart that you know are wrong, confess them to the Lord. Tell them right now. Just name them all. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for, you know, having sex with my girlfriend, doing these things, disobeying my parents, uh, you know, whatever it may be, lying, uh, you know, being lazy. Now, those of you who are Christians, you should be praying, asking the Lord if you've been a good witness. Ask him to say, God, how have I been doing at this? You know, how have I been doing? Lord, do I please you in this way? Am I I free from the blood of all men? Are my hands and conscience clean? A few moments right now, two people, two kinds of people in this church, non-Christians, Christians. Christians. Non-Christians should be praying for Jesus to save them, and Christians should be honest with the Lord right now about their evangelism. Come on, let's talk to the Lord. Jesus, we'll sing in just a moment and dismiss. Thank you for your patience. This is my second service. I have a wedding to do after this. Come on, no one's more tired than me, but it's worth it for me. Why? Because you are special to the Lord. And what you do for the Lord is special. Those five souls are worth our time, aren't they? Jared was worth those young people's time. David Santiago and his his wife Amy, they were worth the time to stop and talk to, weren't they? Come on, a few more moments. Now all of us, let us raise up our hands to heaven and say, Holy Spirit, fill me with your power. Right? Because we all should be Christian now, ready to evangelize. If you're not a Christian after this, that's okay. We'll meet you after church, just like we did with Christina. We'll talk till tomorrow if you need to. We'll even go out till midnight. I've had people get in hour-long, five-hour-long conversations. But right now, I'm going to assume most of you are Christians now. You either just became one or you already were one, but now you want to be filled. Every hand raised. Let's do what the disciples did. Let's ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, say, Holy Spirit, give me the power to be a witness. Give me the power to be a witness. Give me the power right now. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Would you put up her guitar a little bit, please? Come on, fill. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right now. Those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, you can begin to speak in other tongues. Those who have not spoken in other languages, this is what we learned about a little bit today, that the Bible will give you new languages as a sign of power. Just pray for it. And those who already have it, you can receive 